This is Paul Bettner, creator of New Super Lucky's Tale, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 123 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, March 13th, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we take a look at the latest announcements from the Xbox Verse, including the upcoming ID at Xbox Showcase, Microsoft landing the highest ratings on Metacritic in 2021, Halo Woes, and the Ninja Turtles are back, baby. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness are headed to Mr. Jam Pack Sam, host of Exhibition, and Xbox podcast. Sam has been reviewing several games of late, doing a fantastic job working with his freelance gig as well. And I have found myself each and every week looking forward to just listening to Exhibition, an Xbox podcast. Very uh calmly delivered gaming news something that i very much appreciate in a time where xbox podcasts or podcasts in the gaming inverse in general can be very inflammatory he provides the news it's very well read very radio-esque in its delivery and uh, i appreciate just the informational approach my suspicion is if you're a fan of xep and the way that i deliver content i think you would very much enjoy the way sam does his work as well uh, he and I have gotten to talk behind the scenes a little bit about some of the games we're reviewing and not reviewing over the next few weeks. I think he has some uh, cool things to say about an upcoming game that I did not put my hands on. Uh, I'll give you a little hint. It's got a fox in it. Maybe you're going to see it at the upcoming ID at Xbox showcase. Uh, so that's kind of cool. I'm I'm stoked for, for his show and I enjoy it. And I wanted to give him a good old shout out. Um, in addition to uh, shout outs to those of you who reached out to me when I said that my voice was fading. If you can't tell, I'm recording today. Uh, I did not have a voice four hours ago. I have one at the moment, so I decided to take advantage. I don't necessarily feel sick. I think it's just allergy season and whatnot with the, with the temperature fluctuating here in North Carolina, up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, but I've got a voice for a brief bit. If I sound a bit awkward or strange, I apologize to you. More so than usual, I should note, of course. But I'm here, I'm rocking it. I got a lot of well wishes from you guys, and I appreciate you. Plenty of things to talk about on the docket. Let's transition straight into the one that I am most excited about. If you caught Sony's March State of Play, it was focused largely on Japanese games, uh, but there were several multi-platform games announced there, and none could be more important, nay, more magnificent, nay, the coolest thing that I have seen to come to light in an age where collections are my jam, where I love seeing the MCC, where I love uh, getting all the collections of a various game uh, series coming together. We have what might be the dopest collection I think I've ever seen, and that is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Kawabunga Collection. Oh my goodness, guys. This thing is nuts. It, it's coming out on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series S and X, Switch, and PC, which is dope because that means anywhere you are, you're going to have to experience all of these classic games, or mostly classic games, we should say. This collection has 13 classic 
Ninja Turtles games in it, ranging from the arcade game that is so popular, Turtles in Time, equally popular, maybe even more so depending on uh, where you're at. All of the NES games, you got Turtles in Time, uh, which is going to be the Super Nintendo version as well. The Manhattan Project from TMNT uh, 3, which is on NES. One of my favorites that most people never played. The, the Game Boy games are on there, which is dope, but including TMNT 3 Radical Rescue, which I loved on Game Boy. I absolutely love that. You start off as one turtle and you go through and you rescue the rest of them, which is super cool. You even got tournament fighters from the NES and Super Nintendo as well. Uh, and the Genesis games are in there, including Hyperstone Heist. Guys, this is so cool. All the classic beat-em-up Ninja Turtles games uh, ranging from so many different platforms. And that the coolest part for me was to get to see the Game Boy versions showing up in this collection. We're going to get to be playing the Game Boy versions, the arcade versions, the NES, Super NES, Genesis games, all on any of the platforms that I mentioned, from PlayStation through Xbox and Switch and PC. That's super cool. This is one of the few times I can say cheers to you, Konami. This is developed in collaboration with Nickelodeon and Digital Eclipse, and they are known for doing a very good job. Digital Eclipse does a very good job at uh, bringing games forward. Their emulation is top-notch. They're also going to be adding in new modes, including boss rush mode and challenge mode, for those of you that, that care about that. I won't. I'm going to be the guy that's got endless continues and just plays through uh, all those great memories because I've been missing a lot of the TMNT stuff. I actually thought about that when we were looking at Shredder's Revenge and just how much I missed some of these old games and how much I would love to go back. And I considered hooking up my Raspberry Pi uh, for research purposes, of course, only. But goodness gracious, I'm so excited for this Cowabunga collection. They're also going to be bringing co-op and online play to some of the games. I haven't uh, fully delved into that one yet, but I'm just stoked for this one. Absolute buy, day one for me, uh, the Cowabunga collection. If you guys have memories of old, I would love for you to leave them in the comment section uh, over on YouTube or, or ping my Twitter for the thread uh, that, that goes up with this episode on Monday because... I, t I have so many great memories of the TMNT games. The Ninja Turtles were just a huge part of my younger life. And to get to get to go back and see kind of what started it all for a franchise that's just not nearly as popular as it once was, I would love to experience that nostalgia with the rest of you guys. Is there is there a special memory for Ninja Turtles that you have? Is there a special memory from the arcade game? Um, do you remember, you know, putting grease all over those buttons or eating pizza while you played, that kind of stuff? Let me know in the comments. I would love to share in that nostalgia with you guys. Flying a bit under the radar this past week in the wake of kind of the Sony state of play, kind of the news that was coming out about there, and then to the lesser extent, the ID at Xbox showcase was the release date for Gotham Knights, my most anticipated game of 2022. WB Games Montreal announced that the release date for Gotham Knights would be October 25th, 2022. I believe that's nine years to the date of Arkham Origins. It seems a very appropriate release time as well um, to kind of get into that holiday season, have a big AAA superhero experience that'll probably line up fairly well with some of the hype of the DC movies, which have been reshuffled a bit. And goodness, DC is confusing. As a, as a diehard DC fan, they are making some strange choices. That was my dog sneezing, not me this time. Um, strange choices. Nonetheless, my most anticipated game of the year is Arkham, not Arkham Origins, Gotham Knights, uh, and it is releasing on October 25th. So excited for this. Very curious to see if we, or when we see, I should say, 
uh, some sort of playable Batman element to this because I am all for playing as Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl, and Red Hood. But I also want a Batman experience as well. And I don't think that DC can underestimate the importance of that particular character. So I anticipate DLC or something coming where you do get to play as Batman. I believe some of the reshuffling for the DC movies included uh, visual effects as well as kind of a rekindling of interest in the Batman character in that Flash movie that's coming out. You're going to get to see Batfleck and Michael Keaton as Batman and Michael Keaton will be Batman in the Batgirl movies if you're unfamiliar uh, coming up. That's really exciting. But given Robert Pattinson's take on it, the renewal of interest in Batfleck as well uh, and the various outlets that movies could come out with, it just seems odd to me. The way that DC is kind of handling it, you can exist now with multiple versions of your hero. And I wonder if maybe that has something to do with it. Perhaps they're reworking the way the character gets incorporated into some of their other media. Nonetheless, I'm stoked to have Gotham Knights out this year with no delay. I was very worried um, given the way Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League was delayed uh, as well. I, I was just I was concerned, but I mean, I take it as a personal pride that we had Osama Dorius on the show. He was a senior game designer on Gotham Knights until very recently where he departed for for a new gig, which I don't think he's publicly announced just yet. We also had Kritzi Abajos on, who is a voice actor in the game, uh, as well as working on Batman, a Telltale series, which is really, really dope. Uh, I'm I'm super excited for Gotham Knights and uh, make no mistake, all eyes are on it. I want more superhero games for sure. I would love, 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 love an Arkham collection to be released. And I know there is one out there by that title. You can rename it, whatever you like, but to have a chance to go through all the Arkham games again, fully up res remastered, whatever you want to call it. Really. I just want an excuse to get the achievements again. Cause I've played through all of them multiple times, multiple consoles. I want to do it again and I want to do it again and, and feel like I'm earning my time. And that perhaps that's a, a negative in that I'm a victim of, if it doesn't have achievements or trophies, I'm not, I'm not in, but I absolutely want a reason to go back to them. So I would like an upscaled version. Gotham uh, Arkham Knight rather looks great. Looks great on a Series X. Let's make it look better. Why not? Why not? Announced this past week, Microsoft is the highest rated publisher on Metacritic in the last year. Xbox Game Studios released five games across 2021, uh, and it had 10 Metacritic entries due to different platforms being released on. Uh, in addition to taking the top spot over on Metacritic, the company has the high honor of being the first with an average of a Metacritic score of over 85. Their average, of course, was 87.4. In 12 years that Metacritic has been running, this is the highest in, in publisher rankings. Uh, that's really cool. That's really neat. If you care about Metacritic, that's dope. Certainly, Microsoft produced some heavy hitters with Forza Horizon 5, Psychonauts 2, and Microsoft Flight Simulator. Even Halo Infinite landed in 87, uh, which I think is, is a worthy score, despite some of the woes that we'll talk about in, in a few minutes. Uh, really cool to see that Microsoft's really gaining ground and... What's dope as well is that it's it's some of those are in-house studios. They've really worked on that from the inside as well as the acquisition for Double Fine with Psychonauts 2, which Microsoft helped fund and produce, which is really cool as well. Um, take this however you like. I'm not a big Metacritic guy. In fact, some of my favorite games would not be considered highly scored on Metacritic, whether it's Sea of Thieves or Avengers or several of the other games that I, I dig. Um, Metacritic serves to be a nice barometer point in some ways, but it can also be very detrimental to the gaming community and that people start to argue over uh, singular points here and there. And I just think that's a very silly endeavor. 
Sony was second place uh, in this particular Metacritic score, and I would argue that they've done a better job at producing the games that I like, single-player, third-person action experiences. Um, they've done a better job of creating that in the last few years, and yet their, their score is lower on Metacritic. Who cares? And it's I'm not really into this, except to note that it shows that Microsoft is is in a good direction. Given the Xbox One's traje- trajectory and the way that it was handled throughout that wayward system series there were games that just seemed rudderless and confused as to where they wanted to go what they wanted to be to have now an era where microsoft is producing high level content and supporting high level content by way of acquisition funding production publishing uh, is a good sign and so that's how i think you should take it you should see healthy uh, elements that both microsoft and sony are producing high level games for their audiences to say nothing else of high level subscription services game pass is stunning and incredible uh, and it does a lot more for indie games than AAA. I would argue uh, and i'm really glad to see that microsoft getting recognition there they won't sell me until they start producing more games that i'm interested in uh, outside of the pillar ones that I absolutely love and what keeps me in this ecosystem, which is Forza Gears Halo. Uh, until they start producing top-tier level games outside of those three, uh, I don't know that I'm going to lend much credence to this argument. I think they deserve all the praise in the world for helping with Psychonauts 2, for Flight Simulator being what it is. They deserve all the praise in the world for supporting Deathloop, which seems to do very well over on the PlayStation side. Uh, looks like Ghostwire Tokyo is going to have a, a good audience as well. That's great. That's awesome. But until Starfield and Redfall deliver, until we see more of what their true vision is, and that won't really be executed until 2023 and beyond, um, it's hard to, as a diehard Xbox fan, player, what have you, it's hard to, to dive too much into this Metacritic news and think, oh, they did it. The fight is over. No, nothing like that. And there should you never want the fight to be over. If the fight is over, we as gamers are the ones that lost, uh, for sure. So uh, nonetheless, a go- cool accomplishment. All should be proud and happy there. I would argue that their, their ventures into accessibility, their ventures into uh, allowing people to access games, in in more places outside of like when i say accessibility i often think of of disabled gamers in some way shape or form or or having a gaming disability unable to play with certain elements their work there deserves all the applause in the world but i mean accessibility in the sense of getting the game wherever you have it on a screen that's available x cloud playing playing xbox series x games on your xbox one via x cloud touch controls over on your mobile device to me that is more worthy of praise than anything else. So cheers to them. Good job to them. And uh, yeah, all right, let's go to the next news story. Well, from good news on the publishing side to perhaps some negative news, depending on your take on it, Halo Infinite Season 2 co-op has been delayed once again. We did get an update on just what Season 2 is going to entail. We are expecting that Season 2 of Halo Infinite begins on May 3rd, 2022, with the theme of Lone Wolves. Joseph Staten came out and gave uh, kind of a quick synopsis of what he believes the Lone Wolf theme means to Halo Infinite, he said, quote, Lone Wolf Spitans are hunters, trackers, they're resourceful improvisers operating deep in enemy territory without resupply or support. They're fierce, rugged, and prefer to work alone, but they're still loyal to the Spartan pack, end quote. Now that sounds exciting in and of itself as a theme for what the battle pass might entail, perhaps what the maps are going to entail as well. 
But there's cause for trepidation in this and that we find that the co-op has been delayed once again. It was previously stated that co-op four player network co-op to be specific, as well as two player split screen on all Xbox versions from Xbox one through to series S and X. It would be available at the launch of season two. No longer does it seem to be the case with Halo uh, creators 343 saying that the non-linear wide open section of campaign are presenting significant challenges for split screen and it's taking them more times to solve. That seems odd to me and that they should they could just provide a tether to the players. However, not being a game developer, that's an armchair analyst approach and I doubt that it really offers much help or insight that they haven't already got. Bottom line, co-op is not going to be ready on March 3rd. However, they are planning to deliver it later on in Season 2. Now, I don't mind that news, provided Season 2 doesn't extend six months like Season 1 has. One thing that Halo Infinite nailed is its gameplay. Bar none, it is the best shooter on the market in terms of gameplay in the console space. It's just elite in that category. It's better than the Call of Duty releases, better than Battlefield. The gameplay of Halo Infinite is is bar none elite in that territory. The problem is we have incredible experiences of ongoing live service titles like Fortnite and Destiny that are producing content with regularity and at a cadence to which keeps their players interested. There's always something to chase. There's always something to do. And it's ever changing, which means they're able to build upon their gameplay. So far, 343 has missed the mark. Surprisingly so, I might add, given how well designed the battle passes were for Gears 5 and for Sea of Thieves. It's surprising that their own in-house studios couldn't offer them more lessons on productivity, on microtransactions, how they're handling their store, etc. Sea of Thieves, of course, being the standout for me is just what what provides the best value to dollar for your experience without damaging the player base. Uh, I'm just surprised. I'm just surprised. Nonetheless, uh, it sounds like we're getting a few new maps. Maybe two is what I last heard. It's not in these particular notes, uh, but I'm still I, I have trepidation there. It scares me to think that Halo Infinite arrived with such a bang, great multiplayer, a really fantastic campaign. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I went through, I did it lasso, I did it all skulls on, went through and rocked that game. I absolutely love Halo Infinite. But their inability to produce new content or provide faster updates scares me a little bit. Now, in this same update on Halo Waypoint, Staten went out to say that their their number one priority is to make sure the team doesn't get burned out and to have team health. And that's awesome. I'm really glad to say that uh, we see a studio in the AAA category not trying to burn out its employees and provide excessive amounts of crunch. The question then becomes, if you're trying to avoid crunch, which is admirable and good and what you should do, but your cadence is too slow to feed the market, can you adjust pipelines within your team? Can you adjust bottlenecking at certain points? Do you need to expand the team in certain areas? Do you need to add people in certain spots? One of the things we often see studios do is throw money at a problem. Well, money can solve a lot of problems, no doubt. Sometimes, though, it's bottlenecking of certain points. Is there a way to reduce that? They've got to figure it out, and they've got to figure it out fast before Modern Warfare 2 launches, before an unknown arrival comes in and eats it lunch, eats its lunch in much the way it seemed like Elden Ring has done to Horizon, which, by the way, Horizon for Forbidden West, uh, oof, poor, poor team over there, poor team over there. Breath of the Wild ate its lunch in the Zero Dawn launch, and Elden Ring is crushing it in this launch. Elden Ring just super popular, super popular, deservedly so. I've got like 80 hours into the game. I absolutely love it. Um, 
But uh, yeah, bottom line, Halo Infinite not doing a good enough job at producing content at a, the proper rate. I enjoy, I enjoy the kind of the the different. I even forget what they're called now, but fractures and the different events they're doing right now. There's one uh, that's essentially spec ops, for lack of a better term, and and I like the armor stuff that it's giving you there. But I'm done with my battle pass. Some of the ways that you unlock challenges are a bit too slow for me. I can't just work on these event passes. Uh, I have to go and fill out other requirements in the week, and I don't I don't enjoy that. So I need them to clean up their experience a bit more, and they're just a little too slow on providing those changes. And I think it's cause for concern. I am not one of the doom and gloom people. We had 20 million players play Halo Infinite, and I saw some people, even on uh, friend of the show Project X Talk, even one of their their co-hosts was talking about how it's a failure or something, some sort of hyperbolic statement. No, not at all. Halo Infinite is an absolute success. Uh, and it brought Halo back to relevancy, which is dope. And that's good news ahead of the show. But we need more cosmetics, more armors, better handling of the, the store purchasing, and better cadence of, of releases in terms of content. They've already listened. you got to give praise where it's due. They've listened in a lot of ways. The simple fact is, though, it's too slow to provide it. And there's a big uh, audience to be had with that co-op experience. And my hope also is that they launch more achievements into that game for co-op, for these new modes that they're bringing. And quite frankly... It needs to be said and said again and said again. Now that we know what Halo Infinite is, and there can be no doubt, this game is ripe for Battle Royale. They should have Battle Royale in this game. Uh, I think before launch, there was a total, totally worthwhile reason to say, hey, maybe not. Halo doesn't need it. Let's see how it goes. Now that we've seen what it is, now we know how good the gunplay is. Now we see the world that they created with this Slipspace engine. The idea of ODSTs dropping onto the ring and battling for, for Extract is awesome. Having some PvE elements in there, awesome. Let's get an updated version of Firefight. We know, uh, oh gosh, I forget who it is. Oh, it's not, is it something Assembly, Critical Assembly, Crystal Assembly? One of, they've outsourced a new mode for the game to... to another studio and i would love to see something in that realm we've seen versions and elements of it with attrition i want halo to be back better than ever uh and for the full vision of this game to be executed on in 2022 and then evolve further it just has to happen faster Before we get to listener mail, I do want to note that I have been playing several games, not necessarily for review. I'm a little burned out on calling things reviews, given how much time I put into Elden Ring, given how much time I've put into Dying Light 2. Uh, but I have been playing Shadow Warrior 3, really enjoying that game. It is a perfect palate cleanser. It's fast, frenetic gameplay. If you liked Doom or Doom Eternal, you're going to love Shadow Warrior 3. Some pretty silly humor throughout the game. I, I found it dumb and kind of over it in some points but i'm really liking the game it's a perfect palate cleanser after bigger games uh, like elden ring if you need something different in your in your repertoire you could knock out the story and i believe it's like five hours i've not finished it at this point uh, in my experience with it but i'm having a good old time with it playing it kind of in spurts here and there and just having a blast it's a low stakes high intensity game that's just a blast to play you can put it on easy and just mow through all types of crazy enemies with incredible gory kills uh, it takes a lot of notes from doom eternal and that makes sense if you've played shadow warriors one or two 
it's just more of that, but cranked up to 11, just as Doom Eternal was from Doom 2016. Uh, I really do recommend Shadow Warrior 3 on sale. It's it's worth getting. Uh, if you're into these games, then it's a must-buy, but if you're not and you just want a good old palate cleanser, snag this game on sale. Check out the Shadow Warrior series in general. I really do like them for any flaws they may have. They're just simple video game fun, and sometimes we've gotten into this this mode where video games need to be full-on artistic experiences and uh, everything needs to be cinematic and have a high story arc. And sometimes I just don't want that. Sometimes I just want to mash buttons, play, and have a good old time. And so for me, Shadow Warrior 3 has just come in perfectly on the back of Elden Ring, which I'm still going through at 80 hours and, and no signs of stopping. There's just so much game there. It seems like it's going to be a 150-hour experience, um, which might put you off, but but don't let it. Don't let it. It's well worth your time. Listen to the uh, Elden Ring for Newcomers episode, please. That would give you a lot of good insight if you're not an Elden Ring or you're not a Dark Souls person, as I am not. Uh, I'm still able to enjoy this game extensively. And if you need a video game-esque video game, go play Shadow Warrior 3. Fully recommended on my on my front. I've not finished it, to be clear. Uh, so I don't. I won't call it a review or anything, but my impressions are extremely positive and I've been playing it on my series S and series X famous Seamus. I've got your question from last week, ready or not. It's going to be answered in just a few minutes. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's go there and transition to a different one. I forgot to mention the ID at Xbox showcase. Oh goodness. How could I forget the ID at Xbox showcase with Twitch gaming is back. Yeah. You remember that really disappointing show last year where they had a whole bunch of unprepared Twitch streamers ask really bad questions to developers, very much depressing people like me who uh, put a lot of heart and soul into interviewing developers with gusto and with knowledge. Uh, really disappointing show last year with some cool concepts and ideas, but it was badly paced and the people were unprepared. It looks like that is coming back on March 16th at 10 a.m. Pacific. I believe that's 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm excited for this because Microsoft does tend to learn from their mistakes. And my hope is that this showcase is better paced and they've hired people that are better prepared for their interviews. We're going to see updates from places like Benji, which is working on Tunic. Cough, cough, hint, hint. I believe if you uh, look closely, you'll see a few people re reviewing that. We're going to see the team from Shredders, which is a game I'm playing right now. Um, they're going to be on there as well as people from like Roblox and several others. Cool. I'm ex I'm interested to see what's going on there. I am 8-Bit's brand new publishing label is going to be featured as well. If they get the pacing down, awesome. Awesome. But Microsoft's track record in, in showcases is just so sporadic. You've got some great inside Xboxes in inside Xbox history. You've got some disasters of them, you know, in hindsight. Uh, and when you look over at, you know, Nintendo Directs and PlayStation State of Plays and put them alongside some of the Xbox showcases, I feel like Microsoft has absolutely won E3 several years running, but they haven't won all of these direct events or haven't really delivered on these direct style events, these showcase style events. And so my hope is that, you know, in the afternoon of March 16th, we're all looking back at the ID at Xbox Twitch gaming showcase and saying, wow, much improved. They did a great job. Here's hoping uh, they do more of this in the future. That's my hope for what happens here. I want them to do well with this one. But last year left a really bad taste in my mouth and I thought it was grossly unprepared uh, compared to the typically high standards of Microsoft's um, events. So here's hoping that's what takes place. Let's go to listener mail here. First one coming from Famous Seamus. He wrote this one in last week and I held on to it because I loved it. What is your first impression of the Series S so far? 
Well, Famous Seamus, just a little bit after recording last week, I popped open that Series S and uh, hooked it up to the TV. And man, oh man, what a great system. I was really surprised. You can see in all the videos uh, from any number of outlets, the reviews for Series S, they all rave about it. They all think it's a great piece of technology. But I opened up the box, and the first thing I noticed was how small it was. It really surprised me as, as a Series X owner to pick up the Series S was a surprising and surreal experience. It's very compact, very sleek. It fits really well on the hearth in our living room. So my wife was unencumbered or bothered by it. Uh, I've been downstairs playing games that some of which you might snowboard in or, or slash up some Japanese demons in and the visuals look great. They've done a great job with that system. I'm really enjoying it as an experience. And I think if you've never put hands on a series X and you've got a series S that's awesome. Like you're, you're happy. You're feeling like you're playing next gen. I'm really enjoying it there. Uh, I think it's just a really, it's, it's just, the packaging was good. The box is well-designed. It was heavier than I expected it to be, but not uh, unobtrusively. So um, it just seems like a really good device. I was surprised by it for sure. Even having read and heard all these great things about it, I was still taken aback at just how good this system is. And I've yet to be bothered by the memory. I still main on my, my, gaming system room on my series x up on this big old oled screen uh in my game room but having it down there in the living room is great and i like it it's a really nice uh, a really nice kind of way to keep my dog from having to climb the stairs as she ages or hang out in the same room as my wife if she's reading a book or something so it's definitely a win for me i'm liking it i'm liking it a lot Todd Oxtra writes in. By the way, shout out to Todd Oxtra. I was on Secret Friends Unite, which is his podcast, to talk about The Batman, which was just an incredible film, uh, to talk with he and Charlie Corden about uh, all nerdy things outside of gaming. Really fun show there. Um, I think I got roped into being on uh, on Charlie's show of all about Star Trek, which I love. I mean, I'm a big Trekkie, so that's going to be fun too. Uh, but I got to catch up on some of my TNG, that's for sure. Uh, nonetheless, Todd asks, what genre would you like to see more from Xbox Studios? Uh, Todd, one of the things that I really love in video games is the third person experience. I really love being able to see my character, uh, similar to Gears, similar to games like Elden Ring, Arkham, that kind of stuff, Spider-Man. I, that's my favorite perspective in games. And I feel like Microsoft is really good at first person experiences. Everything seems to be first person uh, with Microsoft, Sea of Thieves, Halo, Avowed, uh, a lot of first person stuff. And some of my favorite Xbox experiences are games like State of Decay or Forza, in which third person or that kind of pulled back camera view is an option. I love in Halo when it zooms out to give you uh, different shooter elements when you're driving or whatnot. That's like my favorite perspective to be in. And I'd like to see Microsoft capitalize a bit more on their studio talent combining with third person. Inversely or conversely, I don't know how you put that one, that's something that Sony does a very good job, job of. Horizon, Spider-Man, Uncharted, God of War, all third person. They could learn. They could stand to, to jump into the first person categories a bit. Um, but that's, that's something I would like to see more of. The, the third person action games, third person fantasy games, uh, one could argue they don't need fantasy because they've got avowed because they've been they've got several studios working on fable and and other fantasy style games but really as long as they're getting that camera into third person i'm going to be happier third person action needs to be the jam um i don't know if anybody saw images or video from forspoken that game just looks strange strange is the right way to put it i don't know if it looks good or bad um that character loves to backflip a lot the technology looked cool but uh, I would, yeah, I'd like to see Microsoft kick in more on the, the third-person experience and third-person action specifically as far as genre goes. 
Cybernox writes in, Cybernox, what's up, man? I didn't realize you listened to XCP. You're awesome, dude. Uh, let's see. He asks, he says, Elden Ring has been a tremendous success and seems to be praised by fans and critics. My question is, what game coming out this year can challenge its current game of the year status? Oh, Cybernox, that's the question, man, right? I don't know. I think everybody would likely point to Starfield, but I think that's a that's a based on the studio name, not anything we've seen. Like, you know, to have Skyrim in space is a very cool tagline, but we know very little about what Starfield is going to offer. I think Todd Howard has a lot of fanfare around his name, similar to that of Kojima, but it doesn't necessarily seem to be founded on evidence at this point regarding Starfield. Um, I know a lot of people are looking forward to Tunic, which is an apples, apples and oranges comparison, but Tunic, all signs that I've heard are pointing to it's going to be a game of the year status contender. Uh, I wonder if it'll kind of do kind of what Death Store did last year. But Elden Ring is one of those games that feels extremely special, uh, extremely special. And I think any game that's going to challenge it is going to have to do something almost unheard of. People may not like the comparisons to Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild did something for the gaming industry that caused a lot of people to turn their heads and think differently about what a game can provide in terms of an experience. And I know I, I hear a small group of people rolling their eyes because they get tired of the comparison, but I think it's silly when they do that. Um, and I make no qualms about that because when you look at what Breath of the Wild did for players, and then you look at what the the next contender in like Breath of the Wild, it was Witcher 3, Breath of the Wild, God of War. Those were kind of the three big pillar games in my mind of last gen that set the bar for what game of the year could be. It seems to me that Elden Ring is doing that now. It's doing it in a way that no other game can compete. Horizon Forbidden West has been all but forgotten uh, less than a month out from its launch. And that sucks. They, that team deserves better because from what I can tell, Horizon looks like it's a fantastic video game. Elden Ring just seems special. So it's going to take an apples and oranges comparison, maybe something like Tunic. Uh, I doubt much is going to go toe-to-toe in the third-person fantasy genre uh, because I, I just don't know that it could. But the best part about saying that is that if we get surprised, that means we're getting another fantastic gaming experience. Maybe that's Starfield. Maybe that's something we don't know about yet. Maybe there's something that comes out that just blows our minds. But 2022 looks to me to be a very dry year after this kind of February hurdle. It's going to be a lot of double A, a lot of great indies, uh, and a few heavy hitters towards the end of the year. Uh, who knows if Gotham Knights is a heavy hitter. It's my most, my most anticipated, but is it a heavy hitter? Uh, I, I don't know, man. It's a good question. Uh, two very serious questions coming from James Suddy and Dano alike. The first one, what would I do for a Klondike bar? Um, Suddy, I'd pay you a compliment. I think you're a great guy. I think you're a great guy, man. Uh, Dano asks, have I ever accidentally shrunk my clothes when doing a wash of laundry? You know, I have man all the time, all the time. I thought I was gaining weight and, uh, really it was my pants that were shrinking. And I'm, I'm saying that I'm being serious. I thought I'd gained a ton of weight. Really. I'd shrunk my pants cause I went to go buy new ones and I was the same waist size. Um, my quads had gotten bigger. Well, weird getting old's weird guys. I'm 36 and it's just weird. I get nothing. Um, but I have absolutely shrunk things. The weirdest thing is when you shrink your underwear and you put it on, you're like, Jesus, and your whole voice changes like it's a whole octave of difference all right that's going to be it for me guys i appreciate you listening in i hope you've had a fantastic week so far i hope your week gets better thanks for sticking with my my odd voice i do have some interviews coming up for you there were a couple people that needed to work around their release schedules and a few other things oddly enough and this is interesting 
the war with Russia and Ukraine curtailed two different interviews that were going to be happening. Uh, and that's kind of a bummer. I mean, I say kind of a bummer. That doesn't mean to make light. That's a, I'm just going to put my foot in my mouth if I try to explain that. It sucks. It sucks. All right. That's going to be it for me, guys. Please like, share, subscribe, rate the show five stars on whatever podcast services you like. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Take care. Thank you.